بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the Muslim conquest of Nahawand and we spoke about how the Muslims were victorious in that battle. But the commander of the Muslim forces, Al-Nu'man ibn Al-Muqarrin radiallahu an, he was martyred in that battle. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with him. And after he was martyred, command was passed on to Hudayfa ibn Al-Yaman radiallahu an. So Alhamdulillah, the Muslims, they defeated the Persians at Nahawand and the Persian military commander at Nahawand, he was a man named Feruzan, he fled north towards Hamadan. He thought that he could take refuge in the city of Hamadan and he would be able to reorganize his forces and maybe launch a new attack upon the Muslims. So Qa'qa ibn Amr al-Tamimi caught up with him before he could enter Hamadan because he knew if he enters Hamadan he would be able to take refuge there and he would possibly be able to form a new army. So Qa'qa knew he had to catch him, he had to capture him before he could enter Hamadan. So he was able to do that. He caught up with him right on the outskirts of Hamadan. The two of them fought and Alhamdulillah Qa'qa killed Feruzan. After Qa'qa killed Feruzan, the people of Hamadan, they agreed to a peace treaty with the Muslims. The leader of the people of Hamadan was a man named Al-Mahin. And he agreed to pay the jizya and be at peace with the Muslims. So everything seems like it's going smoothly. So as Hudayfa and his army were heading back after the victory at Nahawand, News reached Hudayfa that the people of Hamadan who had just made a peace treaty, a peace agreement with the Muslims, that hardly any time had passed since they made this agreement that they would be at peace with the Muslims and they will pay the jizya. After a short time, they broke that agreement and they started preparing to fight with the Muslims again. So they made the treaty and they're breaking it immediately almost. So Hudayfa. He sends a message to Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar ibn al-Khattab in Medina. And he informs him that the people of Hamadan who have just agreed to live under Muslim rule and be at peace with the Muslims, they have already broken that agreement and they're starting to fight with the Muslims again. So he sends this message to Umar and Umar says to Hudayfa, he sends a message to Hudayfa, send an army under Naim ibn al-Muqarrin. Naim ibn al-Muqarrin was the brother of Al-Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin. Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin was the commander of the Muslim forces who was martyred at Nahawan. So now Umar is saying, send to Hamadan an army under Naim ibn al-Muqarrin, the brother of Al-Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin. Send him to fight them because they have broken the treaty. So Hudayfa, he sends Naim and a large portion of his army with Naim to Hamadan to take them to account for breaking the treaty. So Naim ibn al-Muqarrin and his army, they surround the city of Hamadan and the Persians, they realize that if a fight starts here, the Persians know that they are not going to win. 
So they decide to surrender again. And they ask for another chance at a peace treaty. This time we'll sign a peace treaty with you and we'll not break it. So just give us one more chance at a peace treaty. So this was agreed upon. The Muslims agreed to this. Naim ibn Muqarrin agreed, agreed upon this. And the Persians of Hamadan were allowed to stay in their city and live under Muslim rule and pay the jizya to the Muslims. All right, now the surrounding areas. The areas surrounding Nahawand and Hamadan, they see that Nahawand has fallen and now it is under Muslim rule. They see Hamadan has fallen, now it is under Muslim rule. So the people of neighboring cities, neighboring areas, neighboring regions, they fear that, okay, our turn is coming next. The Muslims, they're taking over territory after territory after territory. So it's only a matter of time before our turn comes. So the people of Adaylam, the people of Azerbaijan, the people of Array, they all decided that we need to form armies in order to fight off the Muslims because the Muslims are going to come for our land pretty soon as well. So Naim ibn Muqarrin, he sends a message to Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman informing him of this new development. Like, yes, we have secured Hamadan, but now the people of Adaylam and the people of Azerbaijan and the people of Array, now they are starting to form armies because now they want to fight us. So Hudayfa tells Naim ibn al-Muqarrin, fight them as well. Fight them before they are able to gather a big army. It takes time to gather a big army. It's not something that can just be done in one day. So while they're still gathering the army, before they, they fully form it, attack them, fight them, so that you can get them at their weakest point and they will not be able to do anything. So Naim, he follows this command of Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman and he is able to take over these lands as well. Naim and his army, they take over these lands as well. And when they took over Array, the region of Array, the spoils that they took from that region were basically equivalent to the spoils that they took from Madain earlier. And remember Madain, that was the, the capital of the Persian Empire, Empire, where the Kisra used to live, where his palace was. So the amount of spoils they took from there, it was just an unimaginable amount of spoils. So now the amount they're taking from Array, it is similar to that amount. So you see the Persian Empire, it was extremely wealthy, extremely wealthy. Wherever they would go, they would find huge amounts of wealth. So the spoils that the Muslims took from Array were huge spoils, equivalent to the spoils of Madain. When many of the neighboring regions saw that the Muslims are taking over all of these lands and it is almost impossible to resist them, many of the neighboring areas, the neighboring regions, they decided, okay, we don't want to fight, we will surrender. We will agree to live under a Muslim rule and we will pay the jizya without fighting. So this was accepted from a number of the neighboring regions as well. So now you see here, this conquest of Persia, it is expanding, it is expanding and it is expanding. So the Muslims continuously are taking over more of the Persian lands. Now Umar while all of this is happening, now he is seeing that the strength of the Persian resistance has become very weak. So the Muslims, they fought at Qadisiyah, and that was a difficult battle. Then the Persians were able to regather their army and 
they fought them again at, at Jalula. And that was also a difficult battle. Naha won. That was a difficult battle. Right? But now, things are becoming easier. Taking Hamadan was easy, comparatively speaking. Taking Array it was easy, comparatively speaking. So now Umar radiallahu anhu is saying, like look, now after constantly being defeated time and time and time again, now the Persians have become weak and we need to ensure that they will never be able to regain their strength. They have lost their strength at this point. But if we leave it alone now, eventually they will be able to regain this strength. So we need to make sure that they are never ever able to regain this strength. We need to make sure that we crush them in such a way that they will never be able to rise from the ashes. We need to basically deliver a knockout punch to them that they cannot get up from. So this was the, the plan and the strategy of Umar ibn al-Khattab. And he decided to continue following this advice that was given to him by Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais radiallahu anhu. He is the one who advised Umar radiallahu anhu not to stop in his expansion through the Persian Empire. Initially, Umar radiallahu anhu, he had ordered for the expansion to stop. But Al-Ahnaf ibn Al-Qais, he, he advised him, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, let's continue. Let's continue expanding. Because if we stop, then they will be able to regain their strength and they will attack us again. So following this advice of Al-Ahnaf ibn Al-Qais, Umar radiallahu anhu decided to continue the expansion. And one of the reasons for doing this was to completely obliterate any resistance that remained left so that they would not be able to fight against the Muslims again. The Persians would not be able to fight against the Muslims again. So now Umar radiallahu anhu, when he sees this weakness in the Persians, he goes all out. He sends a number of armies to different regions of the former Persian Empire. To Khurasan, he sends Ahnaf ibn Qais. To Sabur, he sends Al-Mujashi' ibn Mas'ud. He sends Uthman ibn Abil As al-Thaqafi to Astakhr. He sends Sari ibn Zunaym al-Kinani to Darabajard. He sends Sahal ibn Adi to Karman. He sends Asim ibn Amr to Sajustan. He sends Al-Hakam ibn Amr al-Thalabi to Mukran. He sends Suraqa ibn Amr to Azerbaijan. So he's sending these different commanders to different regions of the Persian Empire to basically complete the expansion of Muslim lands into the Persian Empire. So these multiple conquests started all across Persia. So Azerbaijan was conquered by Suraqa ibn Amr. Khurasan was conquered by Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais. And Khurasan is very important. The conquest of Khurasan, very important because that is where Yazdajard was taking refuge. Remember Yazdajard, he was the Kisra of the Persian Empire. Perhaps he was the most powerful man in the world at one point. And he was based in Madain. When the Muslims took over Madain, he had to flee Madain. And he continuously had to flee from city to city to city. As the Muslims would come, he would flee to another city. Then the Muslims would come to that city, Yazdajad would flee to another city. So he fled multiple times. Now at this point, he had ended up in Khurasan. And he was staying in a city in Khurasan. Khurasan is a, a big region. And Yazdajad was in a city in Khurasan called Maru. It's a huge city in Khurasan. And he was trying 
as he kept trying to do, he was trying to again gather forces to fight the Muslims again. And he was trying to gain the support of the people of Khurasan. So Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais, he wanted to he wanted to finish the threat of Yazdajar because he knew that the Persians have loyalty towards this man. As long as this man Yazdajar is still in the picture, we will face problems. So we need to completely get him out of the picture. Either kill him or get him exiled or something. But we need to get him out of the picture. So Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais, he comes to Khurasan and he moves forward to confront Yazdajar. <coughs> as Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais, is moving towards Khurasan. Before reaching Khurasan, he reached Harat. Harat is in modern day Afghanistan. So look here, Alhamdulillah. During the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab the conquests, they reached all the way to Afghanistan. So Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais, he reached Harat, he took Harat, Alhamdulillah, he conquered it. And then he continued north towards Khurasan. He wanted to he wanted to confront Yazdajar, who was in Maru in Khurasan. Now, the city of Maru in Khurasan, it is divided into a number of districts. Yazdajar was in the part of Maru that was called Maru Shah Jahan. So when he heard that Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais is coming, he fled from Maru Shah Jahan and he went to another part of the city called Maru Ar-Rawb. So... When he reached Maru al-Rawd, he panicked, Yazdajar. He was like, look, he's coming. And I need, to, I need to gather an army that's strong enough to fight the Muslims. And Yazdajar realized that his own army now, it will never be strong enough to fight the Muslims. It has been defeated too many times to rise up. So he, needed, he knew he needed outside support now. So he sent letters to the king of the Turks, to the king of the Saghd, the Saghd, they were the, the Mongols. So he sent a letter to the king of the Turks, to the king of the Mongols, and even he sent a letter to the emperor of China to help him. And what he wrote in these letters was, you better come and help me because these Muslims, they're not going to stop. Once they take Persia, then you guys are the next targets. They're going to take over the Turk lands. They're going to take over the, the Mongol lands. They're going to take over China. Don't think you guys are safe. Just like what they did to us, what they did to the Persian Empire, they're going to do it to your empires too. So you guys better send some people to help me if you want to save yourselves. So this was his strategy in writing these letters. He wanted these people to believe that they were going to be conquered by the Muslims if they didn't help him. So they got scared. It actually worked. Yes, the Jard's strategy that he used in these letters, it actually worked. And they agreed to help him. So the Turks, the Mongols, and the Chinese, they agreed to help Yes, the Jard. And they started preparing their armies. So Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais got news about this, that Yes, the Jard is seeking assistance from the Chinese, from the Mongols, and from the Turks. And they're starting to prepare their, their armies. So he orders his army, Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais, says we better attack Yazdajar than his, his people before his support comes. Because once his support comes, then it will be more difficult. So if we can finish him off, finish him and his army off right now while they're weak, then 
That's what we need to do before they get this outside support. So now, Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais, he approaches Maru al-Rawd. And this is where Yazdajard is now. He was in Maru Shah Jahan and he had fled to Maru al-Rawd. So now Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais follows him. He goes to Maru al-Rawd as well. Now, when Yazdajard realized now the Muslims are coming to Maru al-Rawd, I just ran away from Maru Shah Jahan to Maru al-Rawd. Now they're coming to Maru al-Rawd. Now I have to run away again. So he decides to run away again because his support hadn't come yet. He was waiting for his support from China, from the Turks, from the Mongols. Support hadn't arrived yet, but the Muslims were coming. So he knew he had to escape again. So he ran away from Maru al-Rawd and he fled to Balkh. Balkh in modern day Afghanistan. So as Yazdajad fled to Balkh, Ahnaf ibn Qais, he reached Maru al-Rawd. But by that time Yazdajad was already gone. So now Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais and his army, they come to Maru al-Rawd, they take it over and they take control. And they prepared now to continue following Yazdajad. Okay, he went to Balkh, we will also go to Balkh, we will follow him over there. But before following him to Balkh, Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais, he sent a letter to Kufa to request more support from Kufa. We need more soldiers come from Kufa to fight Yazdajard in Balkh. So basically, he commanded them go directly from Kufa to Balkh and we will fight together over there. So he, he wanted support from Kufa. So in the meantime, while Yazdajard was in Balkh, he was waiting for his own support as well. He's waiting for the support of the Turks and the Mongols and the Chinese. Now while Yazdajard was waiting for his support, the support from Kufa reached Balkh. But the main army of Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais, they hadn't reached Balkh yet. Only the support reached. So the supporting army reached before the main army. The supporting army from Kufa reached Balkh. And Yazdajard was there in Balkh with his army that he had formed. But Yazdajard still had not received his supporting armies from China or the, from the Mongols or from the Turks. But Yazdajard now, he, he comes up with another strategy. He, he says to himself, he sees that the army that has come from Kufa, it's not a very big army because it was only meant to be a support. So he says, okay, even without the support of the Chinese and the Mongols and the Turks, I think me and my army, we can fight this supporting army as long as the main army is not with them. So yes, Dajjad, he thought he could defeat this support army. So he decided to fight, even though his support had not arrived yet. Now this is the first time that Yazdajard himself personally commanded an army. He always had these big commanders who would be the generals in his army. He would never command the army himself. But now he doesn't have any generals left. They, are, they have all been defeated and killed. So now this is the first time Yazdajard himself, he commanded his army personally. And he was defeated by the Muslim army, even though it was only a supporting army, it was not the main army. But still, yes, Dajjal and his forces were defeated by the Muslim support army. So now after this defeat, yes, Dajjal, once again, he fled, he ran away. Look at this guy. It's like when you're chasing a cockroach in your house, you get it and then it flees to another place, then it runs here and it runs there and it runs there and you chase it everywhere. This is the situation of yes, Dajjal. Running from city to city, city to city, going here and there. So again, he flees from Balkh and he crosses the Jehun River. 
But as he was crossing the river, then he saw that his support was coming. The support of the Turks and the Mongols. Chinese hadn't arrived yet. But the support of the Turks and the Mongols, they were coming. As he was leaving, as he was running away, they were coming in the opposite direction to help him. So when he realized that they're coming to help him, he turned back around. He turned back around thinking like, okay, now I have another chance. I have these guys supporting me. Let's go back. So he turns back and they return to Khurasan. They return to Khurasan. They go to the city of Maru. Now, Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais and his army, they were still in Maru al-Rawd. They were still in Maru al-Rawd. So Yazdajard left the Turks and the Mongols to face Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais in Maru al-Rawd. He himself didn't want to face the Muslims anymore. So he said, okay, the Turks and the Mongols, they can face Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais and the Muslims in Maru al-Rawd. And Yazdajard himself, he went to the other part of the city, to Maru Shah Jahan, where he originally was in Khurasan. And why did he do this? He thought, let, let the Turks and the Mongols deal with the fighting. I will go to Maru Shah Jahan because that is where the treasures were. That is where his jewels were. Remember, Kisra, in every big city, he has a lot of jewels, a lot of treasures. So his treasures that he had in Khurasan, they were here in Maru Shah Jahan. So he said, let the Turks and the Mongols face the Muslim army in Maru al-Rawd. I'm going to go to Maru Shah Jahan. I'm going to take my treasures and I'm just going to go somewhere. I don't, even, I don't even want to fight the Muslims anymore. So basically at this point, he decided to surrender. He's tired of all the fighting. He's saying, I just want to take my wealth, take my treasures. I will find some place to live and I will live. So that is what his plan was. So he goes to Maru Shah Jahan because at this point to him, his treasures and his wealth is more important to him than the land. So he took the treasures, he went to Maru Shah Jahan, he gathered his treasures and he made a plan that he's either going to go to Fargana up north or he's going to go to, to China, going to go to Uzbekistan, maybe go to the Turk lands. He basically wants to leave the Persian lands. That I'm done with the, these lands, forget it. I'm never going to be victorious here. I just want my wealth and I want to migrate to a new land and live over there. So he tried to convince the people of Khurasan to migrate with him. Let's leave this land. We'll take the treasures and we will go to China or we'll go to Uzbekistan. We'll just go to some non-Persian land and we'll live over there. He didn't want to fight anymore. But the people of Khurasan, they're saying, how can we go to a new land? How are you expecting us to go to Uzbekistan or China? How does this make sense? How do we know if we go to those lands, how will we be treated? Those lands are not ruled by our people. We don't know how they're going to be with us as foreigners, as immigrants. So how can we leave our lands? And then they said to Yazdajard, these Persians of Khurasan, they said to Yazdajard, they said, as for these Arabs, the Muslims, we have now some experience with their rule. They have been in these lands now for some time. And we have some experience with how they rule. They are good people. They're fair. They're just. They don't oppress anyone. They're not unjust to anyone. So we would rather stay here under the Muslim rule rather than go to China or Uzbekistan or whatever and live under their rule when we don't even know how they're going to treat, it, treat us. As for the Muslims, we know how they treat other people. They treat them fair. So we are going to stay here. Now, yes, the Jard, he didn't want to hear this. He said, like, no, I, I will not live under Muslim rule. We have to leave here. Wherever we go, we have to leave these lands. We cannot live under the Arabs or under the Muslims. 
But the people, they, they said, no, we will not leave these lands. Now, look at these people. These people, they used to respect the Kisra. They used to respect the Yazdajad. They, the Persians, they used to worship the Kisra, actually. They used to actually make sujood to him and worship him. Now it has gotten to a point where he's telling them, let's go, and they're saying, no, we don't want to go. So he lost all the respect that he had from these people. He lost all the honor and the status and everything that he had from these people. They don't have any respect or loyalty or anything towards this guy anymore. So now yes, the judge is saying like, no, I'm, go I'm going to leave. They said to him, okay, if you want to leave, you leave. You leave, but we're not going with you. And also the treasures, they stay here. You cannot take the treasures with you. Can you imagine them saying this type of thing to the Kisra before? Never. But now he has lost all credibility and all respect in their eyes. So they're saying, yeah, get lost. We don't care. You can go wherever you want. But the treasures, they stay here. So yes, Dajard, there was nothing he could do about this. So he decided to leave the Persian lands and he couldn't take his treasure with him. He lost all of his treasure and he decided to go to the land of the Turks. So he left the land that he once ruled as, as the most powerful king in the world. And now he has to leave that land with nothing, with no power, with no wealth. He has to leave as a humiliated person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Say, O Allah, owner of the dominion, owner of the kingdom, you give the kingdom to whomever you will and you take the kingdom away from whomever you will. So he took the kingdom away from Yazdajah. And you honor whomever you will. And you humiliate whomever you will. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala humiliated Yazdajar. So now, after this new development, Yazdajar basically surrenders. He says, I don't want to fight anymore. Now the Turks and the Mongols who had come to support him to fight the Muslims, they see that Yazdajar himself, the one who called them to fight, now he himself doesn't even want to fight. So now they said, okay, forget about this. They decide to withdraw their forces as well. So the Turks stand down and the Mongols also stand down. As for the people of Khurasan, the people who told Yazdajad, you get lost, we're staying here. The people of Khurasan made a peace treaty with the Muslims. They said, yes, we will make a peace treaty with you. We agree to live under Muslim rule and we will pay the jizya. And they also surrendered the treasures of Yazdajad to the Muslims. They surrendered all of those treasures that Yazdajad had in Khurasan. They surrendered that to the Muslims. And Alhamdulillah, because of this peace treaty, the people of Khurasan, they were allowed to stay in their lands. They were al allowed to keep their properties. <coughs> and they were under the protection of the Muslims. And they just had to pay the jizya. And after living under Muslim rule for some period of time, they witnessed the beautiful character of the Muslims, the justice of the Muslims, the fairness of the Muslims, the kindness and the compassion of the Muslims. They, they, they witnessed all of these things firsthand, living under Muslim rule. And most of them accepted Islam. Eventually, most of them, they became Muslims, walhamdulillah. As for Yazdajard, now he was an outcast. 
He had to leave the lands that he once ruled. He was an outcast living in the lands of the Turks. But his story, the story of Yazdajard doesn't end here. Actually, Yazdajard's name would come up again during the Khilafah of Uthman ibn Affan. And inshallah we'll get into that in the future when we talk about the Khilafah of Uthman. Inshallah we'll stop there for today. Barakallahu feekum. Wallahu a'lam. Sallallahu wa sallam. Wa baraka ala nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.